Feel it. Thank you very much, worship team. Seemingly, you want to convince me to join you other than preaching. But I'm here to tell you, you know, I'll continue preaching. But that was good singing. Thank you very much. And uh, I, I, I don't have anything to say as pertains to the singing, but I have something to say as pertains to the book of Colossians. So, open your Bibles. In the book of Colossians, chapter number one, we started looking up about this book some days back, and uh, we are still looking up uh, and unfolding what Paul wanted us to know as a people. And it's quite imperative if you are going to interact with the scriptures, and the book of Colossians becoming sweet, sweet every day. I was sharing with some people in the office and I was saying like, the book of Colossians, I've never even gone deeper the way I've gone to interact with these scriptures. And every time I'm coming a scripture or maybe a sentence, it is speaking volumes. And guys, just stay with us or stay with me throughout this book. You may get something which God wants you actually to know. Remember, we started talking about uh, uh, Colossians chapter 1 through verse 8 and we were talking about the gospel. And right now, as we looked at the gospel, we are trans transitioning from the gospel and today we are going to look at the Paul's prayer for the Colossians. Paul's prayer for the Colossians. That is from verse 9 through verse 14. Though prayer it's a, the backbone of Christian life. Many people tend to talk about prayer, but they barely pray. Prayer is a unique ministry that develops our intimacy with our living God. Prayer should always tune our souls to be receptive to the will of God through the Holy Word or the Holy Scriptures. Christians should know that the prayer is not an option, thing that they should do. But prayer is the backbone. Prayer is everything that they should actually exercise in their Christian life. If believers pray, then God receives the glory. When you read John chapter 14, verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 13, whatever we ask in his name, then the Father is going to receive the glory. So the bottom line, if we want to venture into prayer, then we need actually to understand that we pray in the, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what the, the, we see in this passage. Paul makes his request on behalf of the Colossians. He prays for them. To be steadfast in the knowledge of God with all understanding so as to please him. In this prayer of Paul, we can see the outline. So, three outlines of Paul's prayer for the Colossians. We have three things as the outline, which marks the outline of his prayer. Number one, Paul presented his request before God. 
That is verse 9. Number 2, as an outline, Paul waited result of his request from God. That is verse 10 through verse 11. And finally, as an outline, Paul thanked God for his request. That is verse 12 through verse 14. Then this brings us to our first outline. Paul presented his request to God. Verse 9. So allow me to read the passage as you follow along. I'm going to read from verse 9, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through verse 14. But we are going just to unpack only three verses today. The Bible reads, And so from the, the day we had, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of, of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious mighty for all endurance and patience with joy. Verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified to you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. This is the voice of Paul and he's penning down the letter to the Colossians. We are not going actually to look at this letter as if there are only Colossians who are going to receive it or the, the recipient were only the Colossians but we also here in Nairobi, the GSPC family, we are also the recipient of this letter. So let us look at Outline number, number one of Paul's prayer. Paul presented his request to God. Verse 9. And so from the day we had, we have not ceased to pray for you. It is a reference of Colossians hearing a good news. As stated in verse 4 through verse 8. This good news was brought to Paul by Epaphras. As based to the report they received, then Paul with the friends continuously pray for the saints at Colossia. Paul is encouraged by hearing that God's grace is being manifested in the life of the Colossians. When one is born in the family of God, you and I, when we are born in the family of God, we are born with all that we need. In spiritual life or in spiritual growth. When you want to read, you can read Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. We are feeling him. Him being the head. So as Christians, if we are born in, in Christ, we are being born in fullness. It's not that maybe we are a Christian halfway, but we are Christian in fullness because Christ has given us that opportunity to be his children. In essence, the Colossians did not need anything new added in their faith. Rather, they were just supposed to grow in their faith with something which they already have. Which means, they were praying regularly without ceasing. 
that whatever the Colossians, the report has come, and they were looking at their life, and whatever they were actually hearing from Epaphras, they were actually propelled to pray for them without ceasing, because something good was happening in the Colossians. Something good, something commendable was happening in their lives. So it made Paul to pray for them. Such a prayer is demanded first of all that one understands the attitude of God's consciousness. Paul was not just praying for Colossians, but they were in the first place, they understood God's consciousness. And when they were going to prayer, they were actually altering what it means to the Colossians. So when we say they understood God's consciousness, we mean they need to know about God's character. They needed to know about God's purpose. Because as we know God's character, and we know God's purpose in our life or in the other people's life, then our communication with God is not going to break. We are, we are going to be actually connected to God with everything that it takes when we go to prayer. So Paul and the friends were connected to God. They knew the character of God. They knew the purpose of God. And when they were praying, they were praying with the full fullness of who God is in their prayers. Also, we as a people, if we were to pray for a brother, if I were to pray for a sister, in the first place, I need to understand the needs of that person. So that when I go in the, in the prayer, I'm praying particular to something which is connected to that person. And that will actually maintain my flow to God. Because I'm communicating to my God, and I need actually to understand what I am presenting to him. And that is what Paul and the friends were actually doing. They knew that they were connected to God because they understood, they, they were aware of what is going on in the Colossians' life. And they were there to pray for them. Going back to the, to the verse again, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. What Paul means here is that through prayer, he was asking God to fill or control these Colossians by the knowledge they have. Is that you have been filled by the knowledge of God. So on the other side, you may be controlled by this knowledge because God, if he is going to direct your footsteps, then you are going to succeed. Notice the two participants here. Praying and asking are connected together by the conjunction and when you read that verse. But the ESV, the Bible we are using, it omits that and, but when you read the New American Standard Bible, you can see that conjunction and is connected there. So the conjunction indicates the power and the seriousness in prayer of Paul to the Colossians that God may fill them with his own knowledge. That also, it is our prayer that GSPC Nairobi, we may be filled by God himself. The knowledge of God himself. Because that knowledge of God will actually propel our life to live a life worthy 
of the calling. So, this conjunction indicates the power and the seriousness in prayer of Paul to the Colossians that God may fill them with his own knowledge. And notice this. He was praying to the complete knowledge. Full knowledge means complete knowledge. Full knowledge means perfect knowledge. Full knowledge means a pound, abundant or rich knowledge from God. That's what he was praying. And he was praying that this abundant knowledge should be in the Colossian life. Because if, no, if this knowledge is in the Colossian life, then they are going to live a life worthy of their calling. The knowledge will help them to know about God's will without shortage. They are not going to have any shortcut because the knowledge is going to direct them. So that by knowing the mighty, not doing any displacement of this portion in their life. It's like Paul is saying, God, I'm praying for them. If they have this knowledge ready and full in their lives, then they are not going to replace this knowledge with any other knowledge they are getting on the marketplace. They are going to live for you. They are going to please you in their life. That's why Paul is praying. So, by knowing the mighty knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, we will not replace that knowledge with anything else. When you read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of, of the Lord is. We are not going to be foolish because we are going to understand what his knowledge is all about our lives. It is the knowledge that understands the depth pertaining our lives and pertaining whatever we do. Because it's going to be wrapped up in you as a person and whatever you do and whatever you, your conduct may be, your interaction may be, it is going to be full, uh, filled with the, the knowledge of God. And whatever you do, it will be pleasing before him. If they will know the will of God, then they will be appreciative in applying that same knowledge in their everyday life. This was not just a head knowledge, but knowledge which was transforming. The knowledge which can transform their lives, can transform their hearts, can transform their living for the glory of God. That is what Paul was trying to tell God to fill them with. It is a knowledge that recognizes the purpose of God, sending his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross because of saving them. Sometimes you see, it is the knowledge of knowing God himself, which includes us as believers to understand the doctrine, part of what God wants us to, to do, to exercise in life, and at the same time, it is the knowledge that will help us apply that in our everyday life so that when we interact with the people, people can realize that we are different. We belong to God because everything we are doing, we are doing for the glory of our Savior. So, when you read Ephesians, 
chapter 4 verse 13 and then we all attain to the unity of the, the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro from the waves and carried apart by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes a person who can know who is firm is a person who has knowledge about God and he is practicing that knowledge he is not fooled around by any doctrine that comes on the market he is a person who is firm and he knows where he is coming from and where he is going we can discern the knowledge of God when we decide under being led by the spirit of God through the word of God if you want to read you can also read Second uh, Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 to 17 when we know the word our minds are controlled to righteous living and what controls our thoughts will also control our life if our thoughts are controlled then our life is going to be controlled also to pattern after what Christ wants us to do and that's why the Bible says we need actually to understand the knowledge of God. And you need to desire for it. You need to desire for it. This is only possible when we obey God. We come to know his will. And as such, we can now apply that in our everyday living. Going back again to the verse, the verse says in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, Understanding is beginning this phrase with the word, the proposition, uh, the, the proposition in. In, it indicates being filled with the knowledge of, of God's will through his spirit by pure, being given wisdom and understanding. Now, he's saying in, spiritual, but he has wisdom and understanding, which means he's praying for them. There is some, the means of them to understand God is wisdom and understanding. So wisdom is an excellent mental ability in general, which includes knowledge, will, and the feeling. Wisdom helps us to practically apply the knowledge we have in our lives. And if we have wisdom and we are applying that knowledge in our life, it will affect the way we, we speak, the way we live, the way we interact with the other people. It is knowing the life. The life that glorifies God. The life that presents you to be a son or a daughter belonging to God. Because you have knowledge. And that knowledge is having wisdom. What the, what the conjunction and indicates the relationship between wisdom and understanding. So, so when we talk about wisdom and understanding... These two words, these two words are related. And that's why that conjunction is bringing them together. Understanding is one aspect of wisdom. It is a characteristic of wisdom and it's the application. How we apply the knowledge is out of wisdom. Understanding is also an aspect of wisdom and the character. But in other words, we may say wisdom in understanding or knowledge, there are synonyms. 
We are talking about one thing here. So when we talk about understanding and when we talk about wisdom, we are just talking about one thing you understand and when you are applying it, you are applying it because you in the first place you had wisdom and that wisdom should not just remain in you. We need to apply it. So we are applying the knowledge we have. And how are we applying it? People are watching. People are looking at whatever you are doing as a, as a Christian. They want to see whether you belong to Christ or not. And we as believers, we know that we belong to him when we are applying this wisdom in a practical way. How are we living? How are we living? Because wisdom will help you practically to apply the knowledge. And I have said it will actually affect the way you live. The way you think. The way you interact with the people. The way even you do your things. It will affect you the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Paul prays that they should have spiritual understanding. To mean, Colossians should have the insight. Colossians should have the intelligence and the true discernment. Which will affect the way they live, the ability to organize and actually uh, uh, refute the error and choose things which can glorify their father. They refute the error and are capturing the truth. They will also make good decisions because they have wisdom. So, guys, we can only be spiritual when our source of wisdom is from God's word. We understand God's word and through the Holy Spirit we apply what we know. But, 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 but wisdom which cannot be applied, which cannot be seen by people, is no longer wisdom because we want to see how you are living as a Christian outside there. And you cannot apply what you don't have. And if we are a Christian and we have Christian wisdom, then people will actually attest that you are a true Christian because of how they see you behave before them. So, it is a very big contrast between false teachers and we as Christians. Because false teachers, their wisdom comes from Satan. And because of that wisdom which comes from Satan, false teachers tend to take believers captive. They tend to, ta to take them astray from the truth of the gospel. But it is not like us who have received Christ Jesus to be our personal savior, we have the right uh, wisdom, we have the right understanding, and as we apply that, then people will attest our Christian life to be true and coming from the savior himself. Now, this brings us to outline number two of Paul's prayer. Paul waited results of his request. Verse 10 and verse 11. Notice in these two verses, Paul gives us five reasons why he requested spiritual knowledge. So Paul requested spiritual knowledge to the Colossians so that they may have, number one, a walk pleasing to God. A walk pleasing to God. That is verse 10a. Verse 10a reads, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. 
the walk or the, to behave is an infinitive. To live or behave in a specific manner. The word indicates the result of being filled with knowledge which leads to a worthy walk or a worthy living before God. The whole purpose of Paul's prayer was that they may live a life that glorifies their Savior. A life that attests that they are Christian. They are changed people. They belong to God. They are holy. So the Colossians were expected to live a life which is worth it God. Listen to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 12. We exhausted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. You can add Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1. God is not left, God has not left us alone to walk this worthy walk by ourselves. But every time God is with us, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You are not alone. You are walking with Christ because Christ liveth in you. And because Christ liveth in you, Paul's prayer or Paul's request to God for the Colossians was that they might have a walk that pleases God. Why? Because Christ liveth in us. And whatever we do, if we are a true Christian, I want actually to borrow a word from David. David normally says that everything which we do is a worship. Whether we are eating, whether we are visiting even the washrooms, whatever we are, it's, it's an act of worship. Why? I attest that because you are not alone. Christ is with you. He died and he liveth in you. So whatever we do, it's a worship to God. And that's why Paul is asking that whatever they are doing, it might be a, a work that is pleasing their Savior. God has not left us to walk just alone. As Galatians says. Guys, we cannot walk this path on our own. It is hard. Sometimes we will fail. Sometimes we may doubt whether we are doing rightly or whether we are, sometimes we will fail as a people. And that is why I'm saying we may fail and I ask you to incorporate the Lord Jesus Christ into your walk. Incorporate him. Let Christ be your friend. Let Christ plan with you whatever you are planning to go. Whatever you want to do, let Christ come and plan together with him. Because if you are going just to be left alone, you are going to fail. But if our Lord Jesus Christ is going to be on our side, we are going to be more than congress. The New Testament describes how one should walk. When you visit the scriptures in the New Testament, they are full of warnings and 
uh, urging us to how one should walk. Like for example, one should walk in humility. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. One should walk in purity. Romans 13, 13. One should walk by faith. That is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. One should walk in good works. Ephesians 2, verse 10. One should walk differently from the world. Ephesians 4, verse 17 to 32. Why should we walk differently? Because we belong to Christ. Christ has set us apart. We are a holy generation. We belong to him. You see, the list goes on and on. As we do so, such a walk would please our Savior in all aspects. Now let us look also at reason number two, which meant Paul to pray. Paul also prayed as a reason for a life-pairing fruit. He was praying that actually their life should pair fruit. That is 10B. Pairing fruit in every good work. It is a kind of life that gives true testimony that so and so is a son of God or so and so is a daughter of God. In other words, we are, I'm saying it is a life that, that identifies you that you belong to Christ. You are saved. That's the prayer of Paul. If that is the case of which it was, such a life, such a person who has such like a life can now produce spiritual fruit when he or she abides in Christ. John chapter 15, verse 4 to 5. Notice we need to pair fruit in connection with doing good works. This life includes what? You cannot just bear fruits where people cannot see. But this kind of life which Paul is praying for the Colossians includes obeying the Lord and living in total holiness. Your life should be a, a, a living testament for Christ. You live to glorify and mortal after Christ. You live to the standard of the gospel. To lead a life worthy of the Lord in everything makes us to bless him. Makes us to bless uh, uh, him. When we walk a worthy walk, then we please him. If you want to read, you can read Ephesians 4.1. When we walk a worthy walk of the gospel, we please him. Philippians 1.27. Well, this means that in all our living, in all our conduct, in all our interaction, our work is worthy of God. Our work is worthy of God because we are living with fullness of Christ, fullness of, of God's knowledge in us. That is to say, our Lord wants to see his image formed in us so as to please him. Now, this brings us to the third reason why Paul prayed. The third reason, he prayed so that the Colossians could grow in faith. He was praying for spiritual growth. Be strengthened greatly in all aspects of our life. This is the power without limit. 
that helps us to overcome and being strengthened in every circumstance of our life. That God is there to strengthen you. God is there on your side to give you strength so that in any circumstance that you, go, you pass through as a believer, you may overcome. God continually provides every power that we need for bearing fruit and even for spiritual growth. You cannot grow yourself. You cannot even overcome any trial unless God, who has strengthened you, sanctions to happen in your life. So, if we want to overcome, then that is what Paul is praying for the Colossians. And it's similar to us here. We want to overcome. And the same prayer applied to us. God gives us the power as an ability to overcome all spiritual limitations. He gives us so that we can overcome at home. He gives us so that we can overcome at workplaces. He gives us so that we can overcome during our relationship. He gives us so that we can do all as we feel and think positively for him. It is a moral power that we need and that God gives us in order to grow spiritually and bear fruit. God will always strengthen us to a life that is worthy and pleasing to him so as to bear much fruit. He gives the power in full measure. He gives to the extent of his mighty, meaning there is no limitation when he gives that power. He does not limit it. Because you belong to him, he gives that power to you in fullness. Notice something here. In that verse, verse 11, Paul says this, the mighty of the glory of him, the might of the glory of him, by putting together these nouns, he means how God is manifested and revealed himself to mankind through his Holy Spirit. Because when you read the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you see Jesus directed his disciples that don't go, don't leave Galilee until you, are, you have received the power. So that is a revelation. God is revealing himself to his people means that the might belongs only to God and to his own glory. It was a glorious mighty that God used even to raise our Lord Jesus Christ. And some scholars have said it is the same mighty power that is coming, power, uh, is coming back the second time to raise the believers. The same mighty power. And that the same mighty power is giving the believers so that they can overcome the trials. So, if God is on your side, who will be against you? He has given you the power to overcome whatever the circumstances you are in. And now this brings us to reason number five. Why Paul prayed for the Colossians. He prayed so that they may have growing in patience. For all endurance and patience with joy. So, Endurance is the power to withstand hardship or stress, especially the inward strength is necessary to our Christian life. Guys, I, I don't have an instrument to gauge your power and to gauge your heart how powerful you are. But God, who grants this power, he knows our weaknesses and he knows our strength. 
God strengthened us with all power to make us have endurance and patience. If we do not learn to be patient, if we do not learn to be patient, then there is no time even to learn something more. We can neither learn anything from God if we are not patient. If we do not learn that, we cannot add anything new. Christians are able to rejoice even in their tribulation because they know that tribulations brings about perseverance and the perseverance brings about proven character and the proven character brings about hope. We are not living in past tense. We are not living even in present tense as Christians. We have hope that one day Christ is coming. So we are future-oriented people. If you want to read, you can read Romans chapter 5, verse 3 to 4. Patience and endurance in action. When things go wrong, we don't wait for God to do something. We don't wait. But as a soldier in a part of field, we keep on, although things may look tough, but we keep on. Like a person who is actually running a marathon. He does not maybe give up because of the prize awaiting him. So we as Christians, although the going is tough, but we are not going to stop there. We keep on. We keep on. We keep on because God has strengthened us. God has strengthened us. So many Christians have a character of quitting when the circumstances become difficult. But remember, it is always too soon to quit. Remember. And also running away from a problem is not solving. It is even creating more. So some Christians, when something is actually happening in their life, you see them quitting. They are compromising their faith. But I'm, I'm here to suggest to you that it is always too soon to quit. Let us not quit the circumstances we are in. Those trials, when they come, let us look up because God, who is the starter and the finisher of our faith, is on our side. He's going to fight for us. We are given power so that we may be determined or persevere when the coin is tough. In difficult moments, God has granted us this power. And we should not give up. Let's continue the journey. Let's continue with the journey. Because we are following our master. And that's why Jesus Christ asked the disciples, will you also drink the same cup of use? They say yes. And that's what they were suffering. So Christianity is all about suffering. We have been called in the part of field. And that part of field, we are not fighting so as to win, but Christ has fought for us. We are on the side, on a winning, winning side. So, why does God give us his power? He gives us his power so as to continue with Christian life. He gives us his power so that we continue working for him and doing his will in hard times. He gives us the power so that we can stand firm against the enemy and maintain confidence in the promises he has promised us. 
He has killed. You are not alone. Remember, one cannot change any typical situation in life when it comes. Mama, I'm here to suggest to you. You cannot change anything if a trial has come in your life. If any difficulty has come in your life, any persecution has come in your life, you as a person, you cannot change anything. But God knows that. And that's why he gives you the power so that you can actually go through the circumstance. And after you are done, you look up and say, thank you, Father. If it were not you, I could not be wherever I am. God wants to get the glory. But one can only have the ability to withstand it by the strength God has given them as Christians. Meaning, we endure patiently to the wrongs done by others by not even retaliating or even complaining or even fighting them back. It is a reference of our attitude. How we respond to people who persecute us or how we respond to people who make us suffer. Because you as a human being, we have some people who are even against your life. We have some people who are even against you. Out of your progress, they are against it. So that they can even make you to suffer to some extent. But I'm here to make a case that God has given us that patience. So as to endure in such like circumstances. But notice also, Patience is a fruit of the, the spirit that springs from faith, love, and hope. It is a, a spiritual character that makes us to be calm from the inside in the midst of a circumstance. Me, I don't know what you are going on through right now. I don't know the challenges you are facing right now. I don't know the persecution you are going in right now. But what I know, if you belong to Christ, what I know, if you are a child of Christ, Christ has given you the power. Christ has given the strength. Christ has given the patience that you need actually to suffer, but from inside, not complaining. Because whether you complain or do whatever, you cannot change the situation. You cannot change it. So, it is a long suffering in conflict with false doctrine and in any wrongs done by other people. God is long-suffering towards you. God is long-suffering towards mankind. And that's why 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God is patient with you. You look back and you see all the mistakes you have, you have done. God is just still patient with you. He has given you time to repentance. Long-suffering is one of the fruit of the Spirit. When you want to read Ephesians 5.22, it is among the grace, it's among the grace comments that the believers should wear. Colossians 3.12 Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, forgiveness, and patience. We need to put on that as a mark of a Christian. Patience and long-suffering go together. As we do so, we grow spiritually. 
They are the marks of a true minister. Now, listen to this one. They are suffering is a true mark of a true minister. Listen what Paul says here. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 4 through 5. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in affliction, hardship, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, lepers, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love. He's saying, these are the marks of we are servants of God. We are persecuted in any way. We have sleepless nights. We are being done all that Satan has actually purposed in our life. But we don't lose heart. We are here to attest that Christ is our Savior and we will stand by him. That's what he's saying here. Now, as Paul applied these graces in his life, so we as Christians, we should also apply them. Second Corinthians, or Second Timothy, I mean. Second Timothy 3.10 You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfast. So we need to mimic Paul. Because we as Christians also we are persecuted. But when we are persecuted, let us actually behave like Paul. Because Paul has set a standard for us. Let us follow. Let us apply them. As Paul, let us apply them. Our great example in the Bible, in the Old Testament, is Job. Job was patient when he was going through suffering. And even in the New Testament, our first example is who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. When he was actually persecuted and done whatever, he kept quiet and he went on the cross on your behalf. But he's saying when we are persecuted, we need to be patient with the joy. Joy is an emotional, the emotion of great happiness and pleasure. As Christians, we will encounter persecution and trials. But we need to endure patiently through joy. God will always give us power that enable us to wait patiently, no matter how that difficulty may take. God is going to be on our side. And he's going to give us that power. Patient and endurance sometimes are hard. Uh, sometimes they are very hard at the time you are practicing them. Some people don't endure. Some people are not patient. But that is why we should lean on God to supply us with strength so that we overcome some situations. So Paul, in his prayer, he was emphasizing to the Colossians that whether you are going through trials, whether you are going through persecution, but you should always give thanks to God with joy. Because God has strengthened you to go through such like trials. So, how are you making your request known to God? You as a believer. Paul made his request, having known God's consciousness and God's purpose, he made his request for the Colossians. He knew even the needs of his fellow uh, believers. How are you waiting for this request, which may be also you have projected to your Savior?
How are you waiting? How patient are you? How are you working? Are you working to mimic Christ? How do people know about you? Can people uh, attest that you are a Christian? Can people attest that you are a person going to heaven? How is your life like? As you reflect through the, the prayer of Paul, as you examine your life, how can you tell God your life is like before him? God is watching. God knows our weaknesses. God knows our strength. But you cannot live a Christian, a Christian life if you are not saved. It is hard. So I challenge you today that it's imperative, it's a high time for you to turn to God and ask for his help so that you can live this Christian life. Let us stand up for a word of prayer and we are going to be dismissed by a song.